live and pre-recorded. This is the Red Ticket Blues Podcast. I am Brian Bunkley. This is being recorded on January 20th to hit the internets on January 21st. You can always listen to the show on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at BrianBuck13 and at Red Ticket Blues. So, it is another edition of the Thursday Talk where we have a sports media guest. This week it is Katie Baker, the former uh, writer for Grantland for Deadspin. You can find her work in various publications. She's well known to the Mongo Nation, like Francesa community, for writing the pivotal article concerning Francesa Cantu last year, uh, which really you know captured the event in, in a way no one else could. It was truly amazing. So... Um, enough of me blabbing. Let's get to the interview. So we welcome the former Gawker Deadspin and Grantland writer. You've seen her work in the New York Times and Wall Street Journal and new mother, Katie Baker. Katie, welcome to the Red Ticket Blues podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. The pleasure is all mine. Before we get into everything, Katie, tell us about the new joys of motherhood. (laughs) Well, this is actually exciting for me because um, I gave the baby to my husband and I'm sitting here with a glass of red wine. So I feel this is like, I feel like I'm at a luxury resort right now doing the podcast. That's, that's great to hear. Um, <laughs> I can hear the baby crying in the background, but <laughs> right now out of sight, out of me. mind. Um, exactly. you're originally from New Jersey and you are a sports fan from a very young age. That's correct. Yes. I'm from Pennington, New Jersey. Um, and yeah, since since I was a kid. So how did how did your interest in sports come about? Was was this just you? I mean, it's always interesting uh, when you hear females that are definitely interested in sports, especially at a young age. Uh, a lot of times it comes from family and whatnot. Is this something that was totally you, or did you have brothers or uh, you know parents that really got you into, or, or sisters, I should say? Excuse me. Any any siblings <laughs> or parents that that got you into sports? Um, well, it was, I, I think it was to some extent my dad, but it was also like, I kind of took it and ran with it. But we, I remember we used to, on Sundays we would go to church and then we would, um, Sunday was like family outing day. So we'd go to church and then we would drive, um, you know, to some museum or park or, um, whatever, whatever we were doing that day. And we'd listen usually to to the New York Giants game on the radio. Um, and that was like back in the day, you know, when the Giants were like, you know, five and mm-hmm. 11 or five and 10. I don't remember if they had 16 games back then um, every year. And so for whatever reason, that was my intro to sports, but it, it stuck. And um, and then, you know, that was I was like, let's see, I was probably 10 years old um, when the like when, you know, 1994 with the Nixon Rangers. So that was kind of the sweet spot for becoming a fan of a lot of those teams yes 94 in new york it could have been so great if john starks had hit shots in uh game seven but he only hit two of them but yeah and john starks was my favorite yeah, player rough. so there there's a lot of there was a lot of heartbreak but also a lot of awesome moments when he was like you know hitting every three-pointer and being ridiculous john starks so um years later i basically i saw him at madison square garden and basically sprinted <laughs> after him and got a picture with him and it's just kind of funny because now I feel like he's like everywhere you turn like he's kind of around yeah, he is involved in a lot <laughs> it's, of like, things. it's like not, not that hard to get his autograph if you want it but um but at the time I was very excited um you know I used to really dislike Starks I was never a big Knicks fan but now I, I see the way the NBA is now it's just sort of a different vibe to it a guy like John Starks I appreciate so much more and it's funny you bring him up yeah uh 
Now, you, you wanted to cover sports as, as an actual career, but you, you took an unconventional path to get there. Uh, so yeah. Tell us about that. Just a, a tad bit unconventional. Well, I always laugh when, um, you know, when people ask me for advice on, you know, how I got to where I am or where I was. <laughs> um, and I'm like, well, I worked, uh, um, I worked in finance for like the better part of seven years, um, before I did this. So that's one way, but yeah, I mean, in college I, uh, I covered, I, you know, I wrote for the sports section of the, of the paper and, um, I covered the hockey team among many other teams, including at one point, like the fencing team and stuff. Um, and I, um, I ended up going into finance and, um, did that kind of through, through the two thousands, basically seeing the rise and fall of the financial markets and the, <laughs> the, the world, um, you know, and, but it was a, it was a really cool job and an amazing time to be doing that. Um, I worked in wealth management, so we kind of saw all sorts of characters and had all sorts of crazy investments and, um, you know, had clients who were invested with Bernie Madoff, um, against our best recommendations, I might add. <laughs> um, but you know, it was, it was pretty crazy just to see the, um, the way that, that everything was so high flying and then was suddenly just, you know, the responsible for some of the, the worst moments in us history. So, um, so that was my, that was my sports introduction. So you're at Goldman Sachs, but, uh, in finance and, and, but you're, you're, you haven't lost that, that, that drive for sports and writing about sports. So at the same time, you're, 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 you're submitting your work to various websites. I mean, you're burning the candle at both ends. You're waking up early and editing articles, um, at work, I should say. Did you ever say to yourself, how, how long can, can I do this, this, this double, not double life, but you know what I mean? Both, both jobs here. Is this sustainable in the long run? I mean, yeah, like I, I was, I was always like kind of two things, like one wondering when I could, you know, really convert the stuff I had been doing on the side into, you know, an, an actual job. Um, and I didn't know if or how to do that. And then the other was, I just was kind of constantly waiting for the other shoe to fall in terms of, you know, Goldman was, um, very, you know, they didn't want people talking to the press. They didn't, you know, we weren't, uh, Gmail was banned at work, you know, Facebook, they were all blocked on the system. Um, and I was kind of just always waiting for the day when they would discover that I'd been writing. Cause I, I mean, I was writing under my, my own name for a lot of it. <laughs> it's just that I, I happen to have a name that's so common that I was sort of banking on people just assuming it was another, a different Katie Baker. And there actually are other different Katie Bakers who are writers. So that would have been possible. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, when the financial crisis really started hitting hard and there were layoffs all the time, I was kind of always waiting to, um, to be laid off or, or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, at the same time I, I knew how hard of an industry, um, media is. So I wasn't gonna, I wasn't really trying to immediately jump ship, you know, before I had like a good opportunity that, that made sense. No, that, uh, that makes perfect sense. Um, now you, at this time, uh, the, the website in question, I mean, you're, you're, you're writing for Deadspin. Um, now I know you probably told this story a hundred times, but you, you have to tell us. 
how you're writing for Deadspin, you know, you're still working finance, and you're telling some friends and acquaintances at a bar about how you were at the NHL Winter Classic in Pittsburgh. And uh, a gentleman tries to sort of one-up you. Yes. Um, so I was actually at drinks with a couple of work people, and um, and yeah, I had one of my kind of first assignments was to go to the Winter Classic against the Washington-Pittsburgh one, um, in, in Pittsburgh, the one in which Sidney Crosby, you know, went on the road to concussion. Um, but anyway, I, um, I was just saying, oh, I just was in Pittsburgh. You know, I basically acted as if I was, you know, a, a, like a, just a, a, there as a fan. Oh, I just went to the winter classic in Pittsburgh. And this guy interrupts me and says, oh, well, I read about, I read an article, I forgot who wrote it on Deadspin. It was, I think it was one of Bill Simmons's buddies. And I don't know why he said one of Bill Simmons's buddies, but that's what he said. Uh, maybe he thought it was House or something since right. the Capitals were involved. I'm not sure. Um, but, um, and I just had to sit there and think to myself, man, all I want to do in the world right now is say, actually, I wrote that. Um, but I couldn't. And I just had to sit there and take it and, kind of laughed to myself. Um, and then, you know, later on when I told that story to someone and he was probably one of the very first people to find out that I had taken the job at Grantland and, um, because he's a huge Boston fan and Bill Simmons guy and everything. Um, obviously since he ascribes any article ever written to one of Bill Simmons' buddies. Um, (laughs) yeah. Um, if I read it and liked it, that's who it was by. Um, so anyway, he read he read the article and you know couldn't have, he he said was that me and I said yeah <laughs> so I still had my moment of of kind of letting him have it but um, yeah that was that was an interesting time in my life for sure I applaud you for for obviously you couldn't say anything but even you know when you have a few drinks around too I applaud you even more for not even just trying to maybe you know you know casually sort of be like yeah maybe 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 it wasn't uh, the the Bill Simmons guy maybe maybe it was someone else. Uh, um, <laughs> So you're working for Deadspin. When did you start, uh, you know, contributing to Deadspin? Um, it was probably in, if I had to guess, I'd say it was probably like around 2010 or so, maybe 2009. Um, and I wrote a few things for them here and there. Um, and I did a few like weekend editorships where, you know, I would just kind of cover the page on a Saturday. Um, and I just remember being so nervous like waking up at like 5 a.m. to get ready and, um, you know, just not wanting the commenters to savage oh God, me. Yeah, and, they're brutal. Um, <laughs> yeah, and um, it was, a, you know, some very exhilarating days. And um, But I've always had, I've, I've always had a lot of um, love for that site, even though, you know, I, they obviously have had the people involved have had their, you know, their eye on Grayland here right. and there and everything. But to me, you know, my relationship with that site precedes all of that. And, um, I, it's staffed with by a lot of really smart, interesting people. Um, I think they are very aware of like, you know, the things that people get mad about. I think it's no surprise to them. Like they, they know exactly what they're getting into with stuff. Um, and, random shout out but I think Barry Pachetsky is like one of the more underrated sports writers out there he always whenever I read his hockey stuff I'm like Barry just nailed it there's nothing more to say and he does it so casually and offhand like oh I'm just gonna write a post on the hockey game and it's like perfect so you're working at Deadspin and and when is it that you come into contact with Bill Simmons 
Um, it was probably also around okay. then, like in 2010 or so. Um, and I think he, I had written some stuff for the website Mediaite um, right when it launched. And he was doing a Q&A with the site about his book of basketball, which had just come out. So whenever a book of basketball came out um, and I was writing sports stuff, I think I was probably the only person covering sports. And he asked who I was and why I wrote so infrequently. And they said that um, that I, you know, worked in, in finance and that's why I think he was a little intrigued. And so, um, that was, you know, one thing led to another, we got in touch and, um, yeah, that was kind of how it all began. <laughs> so, I mean, when, when you, when you decide that, you know, he, he reaches out to you and say, Hey, you, I want you to be part of my team here. When he's pitching the idea of Grantland to you, uh, I mean, what, what's the, is there a vision? He was totally had to be some sort of vision. He was selling you where, was it something that sort of swept you off your feet? Just sort of like, wow, this, this is me. I, th- I think a lot of it was just that uh, that ESPN had given him, uh, you know, free reign, creative, yeah. free, creative freedom and some money, you know, and 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 so to me, so much of it was just, oh, my gosh, like this guy that I've been reading at, at work for, in, you know, before that at, at college, I think, um, for so many years, like is suddenly, um, you know, being given free reign, as you said, and wants me to be involved and you know I, I that to me was just exciting and have from having talk you know from talking to him a little bit I knew that um you know not any specific vision or anything but I did just know that he wanted to have kind of a an online magazine of sorts and had you know a lot of wanted to mix together sports and culture and um so it was just it was a, a no-brainer and really exciting opportunity and um, I remember I, it was my birthday when he, I think, emailed me to say that things were progressing. And I was like by myself and just like did a fist pump. It was like a movie scene. I was like, just going to say, it sounds like the end of like Breakfast Club like, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like I just, I did like, yeah, a little like double, you know, guns blazing fist pump in the air. And um, I'll just always remember that moment. It was kind of just like one of those you know, thunderbolt awesome. <laughs> uh, at yeah. Grantland, you wrote about everything and anything, but your bread and butter was, was certainly hockey. Um, so what are you thinking when you hear someone like, I don't know, Mike Francesa or even the common man talks that when they talk down to hockey, are you seething inside? No, I'm so used to it. And I also like hockey's funny because the same people that complain about how it doesn't get enough coverage or whatever, are like the first people to complain when their team is in the you know Stanley Cup final and the local newspaper writes the like intro to hockey like this is what icing is percent. and they get yeah they they get so angry and um they hate new fans and bandwagon people and um I think like Greg Wyshynski and probably others have compared it to like indie music fans that just they love their band so much and can't understand why it's not big time. And then the second that they have to go to a, you know, they can't get tickets to a concert. They're just like so angry. So, um, so I mean, I, I, especially with Mike, I just think it's funny. It's part, you know, it's kind of part of his, I think last year at Francesicon, there was someone there with like a shirt that said, we're not talking about hockey today. today. Right. Yeah. Today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. At all. I love when he says, 
We'll talk about it when they make yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, because that's the only time yeah. hockey matters when the Rangers are in like the fi- actually like semifinals, like conference finals. Then because there's no other no other you know team in in the city where it matters, and uh, that that's yeah. the only time it's worth mentioning though, even though it only matters with them. Yeah. No, I know it's yeah, it's funny. He like simultaneously thinks Rangers fans are the best fans out there, and then just totally shreds them apart when they try to call. And also, like, <laughs> if you imagine what WFAN would be if they only covered the Mets when the Mets make yeah, the playoffs, exactly. you know, it's it cracks me up. But um, you know, but then he talks to Elaine Vigneault and Micheletti, and um, all of a sudden it's like you know, and then. He was in know. Vancouver in '94. If you haven't noticed, he's, he's he said that a few times. <laughs> um, oh so, my God. so tell me about quickly about hockey, though. I mean, uh, it's something that I am definitely one of those fans that I really don't follow it that often or that much during the regular season. But I am one of those fans that gets yelled at when it's the playoffs, and I say, "Wow, th- this sport's really good. It's really a lot of fun to watch." And you know, I go on Twitter, and people say, "Oh yeah, yeah." You know, I mean, it got, like you said, there's lambasted with all sorts of you don't belong here sort yeah. of stuff. I know. I mean, I, I've, I've always been a big hockey fan. Um, I wrote about the hockey team in college. I kind of was very into the Rangers and, um, you know, Rangers online message boards when I was like a teen. And um, so it's a, it's a fun sport. It's, there's, a, like I said, there, there's kind of the attendant personalities that come along with it, but um, everyone always notices it in the playoffs, which, um, doesn't really bother me because, as, I mean, with the besides the Knicks, uh, that's kind of how I am with the NBA right. to some extent. I mean, I'll I'll definitely watch games here and there, but it's you know, I'll watch Knicks games, but then in the playoffs, I'm I'll really start to you know kind of tune in every night, um, and you're like, wow, this is so exciting, but it's not always that exciting on a Tuesday night in you know December for either yeah, sport, exactly. so. Um, so I can understand why, you know, and people only have so many hours in the day. Like if you, if you watch basketball, you can't really watch hockey at the same time, vice versa. Um, you know, if you're on the East coast, it's, you know, it goes late and you might not be up for, for, to watch the golden state warriors or the LA Kings or whatever. So no, I, you're, you're completely right. You don't see too many people that are like experts on the NBA and the NHL, because like you said, there's not enough hours in the day at the same time to to possibly do it unless you DVR'd them and had no job and sat there and watched every game. That'd be the only (laughs) way. Yeah. You can like, I I mean, what I've been reduced to at this point is you you can kind of pay attention to one um, city because they're usually on different nights. Although sometimes they, they double up, but you can kind of go back and forth on nights, but I don't know how people, I mean, I guess you have to be like the, the guy, you know, the, the Deadspin TV guy that has like 17 TVs in his basement <laughs> like is constantly recording everything. Um, I mean, you have lots of lots of great articles. All your articles on Grantland are great. Um, but I really wanted to get into one of them here real quick. Uh, one of the last ones you wrote for Grantland. Um, it's a non-sports. It's a non-Francesa piece. Can you believe it? Uh <laughs> I was going to say, what, what else is It was there? sort of a where are they now involving one of the greatest, probably in my top five movies of all time, and that is Days the Confused. Uh, I think there's something when you read, when you when you love something, like I love Days the Confused, and you read someone who obviously has the passion behind it like you do, it's just such a good <laughs> feeling reading something like that. Uh, what is it about the Days and Confused? I know this is a very broad question. Uh, what is it about Days and Confused that really does it for you? 
Well, for me, part of it is like it's one of the movies that I watched at every sleepover for like a you know at least a five, if not longer, year period. Um, and other movies in that genre would be like Mallrats and the, the great movie Fear, <laughs> starring Mark Wahlberg. Um, but I mean, that movie I just have always it's such a movie, and and I thought about this as I was. Um, re, you know, revisiting it and doing this this piece where I think we, I believe we ranked all, as many of the people from the movie as we could in terms of like who has the bragging rights right. and what they've what they've done since. Um, but was just seeing how perfectly cast it was and all these characters who every character was kind of a caricature, but at the same time they were a really realistic person that you know, like everyone knows like the guy who has graduated and is yet still always there um aka Matthew McConaughey and um you know it was really cool to research that because if you go on YouTube and I don't know you just do a search for like days of confused casting videos I'm I'm sure you'd find it but they have for pretty much every main character they have like a cast, like their actual audition video. And then they also have like an interview with them where they're talking about what, what they think the character is. And I, I mean, I was dying. It was old Matthew McConaughey and even people like, you know, young London brother, number two, <laughs> like was it Jason or Jeremy? Um, you know, it was, and, and then the, the people that even play kind of more minor parts, Parker Posey, obviously. Um, yeah, like it was just so fun to watch in that movie. You know, the when it ends with them on the football field after an all nighter, I was like, "Yeah, you watch that and you just think about how the best days of your life were when you were seventeen years old." There, <laughs> if only yeah, you knew. Right. No, but you're you're totally right. It's those people, and it's just like uh, it's some of the scenes too. It's the people. I said like it totally reminds me of high school. Just corny sports coaches, just trying to act like as if this is the best moment of your life, and you need to take advantage of it. Um, and even, even just little scenes like, uh, you know, that epic party at the moon tower when the, the guy, I forget his name, but he stands up and then he realizes he's way too drunk to talk or to walk. And then he sits back <laughs> down and I'm like, I've seen that at parties and there's no talking oh, whatsoever. Yeah. Just sort of, nah, it's not well, going to work. The, the other thing, <laughs> the other thing that it really nails is like the, just the huge life difference. And the other, the other show that I would say that nails this too is the, late great freaks and geeks but just like that absolute epic life difference between a freshman and a senior um and how you know that there's a bigger difference between a freshman and a senior in high school than there is between you know that same senior in high school and me right now (laughs) you know it's just um so i think about that and it was obviously funny looking at the um the character of mitch and remembering all the um San Francisco Giants, um, Lincecum yep. comparisons. And um, so, yeah, it's just one of the great movies. It's, um, I think, you know, every, when I posted it, like you just see the, the Twitter replies roll in and everyone has like a different favorite line that they quote from it all the time. And I always just love Party at the Moon Tower because that was sort of when I'd say oh, that yeah. to people and they didn't get it. It was just sort of like, it was like the Slater somewhere. I just go, okay, all right, you don't, you don't <laughs> yeah. get it. Uh, and, Check you later. Yeah. And by the way, that sort of uh, the the hazing. I don't know if that would I, was that even allowed at the time of that movie being made. Just the ridiculousness of just free for all <laughs> throughout the entire city to just 
beat kids, but uh, I know it wouldn't last. It wouldn't work now, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I had we had our share of like little yeah, but nothing. Things, but it was not. It did, yeah, it did not involve driving through a car wash, like you know, open air, um, <laughs> and people running around with yeah, bottles. exactly. And that was completely loud. Um, so we mentioned Michael Patrick Francesa. Uh, you have written yeah, yeah. probably the definitive holy book of Francesa Canto, which is absolutely spellbinding, by the way. Um, but at what age did you start to listen to Mike and the Mad Dog? So that's a good question. I mean, I definitely like my big thing was when my dad drove me to school, we always had I miss in the morning on, um, in, in the morning. And so I'll, I always have a soft spot for Mike Breen cause he at the time was the, was right. the sports guy for them. Um, and then I think, I mean, I don't know exactly how old I was. I was probably, it was probably, you know, around, I was probably starting when I was 10 or so. Um, I mean, we listened to the Giants games before that, but, um, I mean, it, I'd say late, late elementary school and then into middle school and, and early high school, like I'd say middle school and high school are probably the, the really big time. Um, I can remember being at like field hockey camp in the summer and, like during lunch break, lying in my dorm and hating life and hating field hockey camp just because it was boring and hot and um, uh, and listening to like Mike and the Mad Dog. And this shows you how long ago it was talking about like Rangers free agency, which I don't think I've heard. Yeah, Mike seriously, that was quite a show then. <laughs> That was a rarity. Yeah, but this was back. This was back pre-salary cap when re- free agency involved like, you know, ridiculous hundred million dollar contracts and everything. So, I guess it was more of a topic. But, um, but yeah. So, so I mean, I've been you know a, a long time. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I have people on, and and I'll ask them, you know, WFAN people or, or fans, and they all sort of have the same story. It begins the same way, where I was in the car with my dad on the way to school. And it's just remembering yeah. either Imus or my dad picking me up, hearing Mike and the Mad Dog. It's it's just funny the way that happens. Yeah. Um, the time. I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, I remember. Like, I mean, and, and it's funny because the way I became a Mets fan, it you know, I wasn't really a baseball person, and but they were the Mets flagship station, R.I.P. <laughs> and during the kind of Piazza years, I guess, like when they really started to have a couple late season. Um, you know, close to the playoffs, I think for a few years. And then they finally made the playoffs. Um, I just kind of became a fan by osmosis because the games would be on and it would be the late summer. There was nothing else, like nothing else going on in my life Um, except like sitting in my house. So, um, so, and then I, and you know, I kind of remember listening to Mike and the Mad Dog when like the San Francisco giants would be, it, you know, kind of battling themselves and uh, dog going on his rants about that. So I guess, you know, kind of mid late nineties was when a lot of it got going. Um, the title of your piece that I spoke about uh, is called a huge, huge in, in the Francesa pronunciation Zonism event, an audience with the sports Pope at Francesica. Now, we all have our own stories about entering Irving Plaza that day. Uh, <laughs> tell us yours. Set the scene. Well, I went very. I went early because I wanted to interview some of the the key players behind the event, um, like uh, the guys you had on your show yesterday or right. today, and then um, 
uh, Bill Buchanan mm-hmm. and uh, a couple other Mark all Mongo, friends of the Red Ticket Blues podcast of all the yes, appearances. All, <laughs> all I'm sure the 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 universe and um, but yeah, so I got there early and it was just so it was kind of fun. I had like the vantage point of watching it slowly fill up and um, you know ta- I remember talking to like the um like the bartender at one of the little bars where they had you know like a thing you get like a diet coke and whiskey or something it was some sort of francesca francesa themed drink um and i said do you know like what this event is and he's like uh it's like some kind of costume party (laughs) (laughs) and i was like oh my gosh you must just just wait like and then i remember seeing him later and he was like what like like I don't know what this is, but everyone's like really into it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that that's something. Yeah, it, it was something. So where when Mike came on stage there, um, wh- where were you standing? I was up on the, the second deck and, and the second deck, the balcony, and um, you just and Mike, it was it was perfect because you didn't even know he was coming out. Everyone's like, where is he? I don't know what's going on. Is he usually really going to show up? And then he just he just comes on the scene there. That that eight or nine minutes. I mean, where where were you standing for that? So I too was up on the, on the balcony level and it, yeah, it was funny cause did, I think like Carl Banks came and that was like a bit, everyone was really excited. That was a big like celebrity showing. Um, and then like two minutes later, Mike just comes out on stage and, um, I just remember looking down and it was crazy. I mean, first of all, it was like 97% like men just so charged up. And just this mass of people cheering, like it was such a genuine, like display of just unadulterated like passion when he came out on the stage and everyone was cheering. And I just remember trying to get like a couple of videos and pictures of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I wrote about that this, but it was it was such a fun event, and um, you know, it's like. It's like going to a Star Wars convention or something like everyone there gets you and um, you all have the same like random love for, you know, this cult right. <laughs> um, figure. And um, it's just so fun to you know, walk by someone and kind of under- get their costume and be like, hey, that's a good one. Like, hey, cousin Oliver, <laughs> like your next door neighbor, Oliver, like that's a good costume. Like you know, like head, like head nod. There, there are so many creative <laughs> costumes there. It was just like you said, it was just people walking by. I was like, oh, that's a good one. Oh, oh, oh I see that homemade <laughs> shirt. That's nice. I like that. I love it. I was thinking nice. today when, when he was talking about, was he saying like Mike Ditko wore a sweater that he covered in Vaseline I was on hold waiting really- to talk to him <laughs> while that call was going on and it went on forever. Or Well, he was just talking to himself, but go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. You. I just had to bring that up. Oh no. I was like, I was like, I wonder, I was just thinking to myself, like, I wonder what, what, you know, 30 something year old guy is running out right now to buy Vaseline to be a Mike Ditka like, <laughs> sweater. I, mean, I don't even know like what, I don't even I didn't either. I didn't, but, if he was playing in the game, I'd understand. Does that make it, <laughs> I guess maybe that helps with the temperature. I was completely confused as well. I was, I don't understand who's trying to tackle him. He's a coach. I, maybe we didn't I, yeah, pick up on no, something. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then right after that, there was that call that was uh, from the sour shoes from the Howard Stern show. I guess. Uh, did you hear that one? The uh, supposed to be the Vietnam caller. We're talking about raccoon stew at the Super Bowl one. Oh, <laughs> you have no, to hear that I one. Um, I mean, ahead. the best is always like 
I remember this past summer I was listening and like summer, you know, some, some days are better than others, but like it was the call where the guy called about like the Rose Bowl in the sixties and Mike thought he was like a prank caller for like 20 and just was baiting him along for like 10 minutes. And then it turned out it really was like this old timey quarterback and they like ended up talking for like half an hour. Totally gave that guy the third degree as if he was trying to pull a fast one. I'm Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Who's the equipment manager? What was his name? You know, just, Oh, you oh, you played in the Rose Bowl? Yeah, yeah, all right. And you can, like, hear him looking it up. And then, like, finally he's kind of like, wait, like, this guy's legit. Oh, my God, I was dying laughing. That, that's, that's, that's a staple of Frances. I remember years ago someone called up saying they were a big Rays fan. And, uh, you know, Mike obviously was not going to believe that, some Rays fan if, calling <laughs> up his show. And he said, if you're, if you're a Rays fan, name the starting lineup, the, the starting pitching rotation. And he did. And Mike just said <laughs> – all right, Alex, and uh, wherever you're up next, just completely ignores him <laughs> and does not even give him a shot to talk after that. So I like when he asks people like what the traffic is like, and the thing is, like they could say anything, and he, it's not like he knows what the traffic's like. But he's like, "Oh yeah, you 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 went to Dallas for the Giants Cowboys game? Yeah, yeah. What was how was the traffic to the stadium? Like that's gonna catch them." It's right so now, the, the definitely uh, in the coming days too, especially with Francesa Khan coming up, the, the snow is definitely going to be a topic on the on the show. Oh, yeah. And uh, Mike makes some prognostications sometimes with the weather that don't go too well. Um, and he <laughs> he doesn't really like it like in many like like many topics. He doesn't like admitting when he's wrong. So that should be interesting going yeah. forward. Um, So the the eight or nine minutes when Mike is on stage, I mean, it really is. I've always been a Francesa fan, but that was really (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to hate myself even after I say this. But it was a thing of beauty Um, from the chance to the costumes to Mike waiting for hours meeting with fans. I mean, that that was that was really amazing. Now, I have to ask when it was your chance to approach Mike, what did you say? What was the exchange? (laughs) <laughs> that is like such the question it's like it's like the question of like what would I name a boat if I ever had a boat like when you're walking on a marina um I just said so I was like up um in the VIP oh. section I, <laughs> because I had a media credential it wasn't anything exciting but I was just up r- right when he got there um and I think I said Hi, like Katie from Pennington. <laughs> um, you know, I've been listening to you forever. Like, so nice to meet you. And, you know, that was about it. Nothing too life-changing. But um, the picture I got, like, I don't think I've ever seen a smile <laughs> like the one I have there. Um, it really, like, the when you talk about his eight or nine minutes on stage, like, you really do see that he is such a performer and, you know, he obviously doesn't usually do these sorts of live events, but he just had, I mean, he had everyone just wrapped. And when he, what was it he said about Michael right, Kay, right. you know, he said, oh, no, no one cares about that guy and just mumbled it. And people were like going crazy. It was like, he, he allowed um, that, that, that F Michael K thing to start too, like to keep going oh. and going. He, he, he was, I was a little worried the first minute or so, cause he wasn't really saying anything. He was just sort of looking at everyone. I was like, Oh, I don't know how yeah. this is going to go. But like you said, once, once he got started, I mean, you could see he was a performer. Yeah, I mean, it, and it just the energy in the in the space was just so fun, and I, I just remember being like, I'm so happy. This is just such a weird and crazy, but awesome, and very earnest. Um, you know, it's it's such a, it seems like it could be such a kind of joking thing, and 
that everyone's kind of making fun of this, but there's so much genuine love in that room. Um, you know, obviously the, plenty of people are there and think it's funny, but there's so many people to whom this guy and this community and these memories are really like formative stuff. <laughs> so to be, to be in a place with a lot of others who share that is like genuinely really fun. Yeah. I, I'm really sad. I'm going to miss that. It this that year. leads me into my next question. Um, for Francesicon three, it was announced today by Mike himself that Christopher Mad Dog Russo will be in attendance. And, and so know, will heard, ESPN films getting footage for the upcoming 30 for 30 on them. But sadly, like you said, you will not be in attendance. Yeah, I mean, this is, I, I definitely resent my young eight-week-old eight son. So um, some might say that. That, that, will, that will come out, you know, through his life as I harm him as a mother psychologically as payback for making me miss this. Some might <laughs> say, you know, the fact that you won't fly cross-country with your eight-week son, eight, eight son and, uh, you know, won't bring him to a festival with drunken people dressed up to celebrate a 60 year old radio host that maybe that's irresponsible that you're not doing it. I know. I agree. It's like, it's like I need to expose him to the parental, you know, it's, this is basically my version of like the old world homeland. You know, it's like, let me take you back to where mama. Oh, like, God. Mama's you're going to have to explain that to him when he grows up that statement right there. <laughs> yeah. I come from a land named Mongo nation. Um, and yeah, I know. I actually, I have a ticket for the Radio City live show at end of March. So I don't know yet if we're going to be taking the baby across the country so that his mother can can go watch a live radio show or whether I'll be, you know, maybe taking one of my first trips away from him for the same reason. But I did sit online at noon on whatever Friday that was. So I could, you know, on Ticketmaster um and got got a ticket for the event so i'm hoping to make it for and, that uh, i had uh goes by name his name's jared on twitter he's at wfan trades uh had him on the podcast before and we were talking about how you know it was classic mike when that when those tickets when he told everyone to get in line for the pre-sale and then gave the website and then the website didn't work i mean it was it was classic <laughs> francesic technology revolution right there uh oh yeah <laughs> um he's at his best when he's talking oh, yeah. technology like you can we talked about apps and a la carte apps. It's like my favorite. Like, you can tell that he was at a meeting with some, you know, network or internet or cable executive or something, and they were explaining to him how apps are the future. And now he just—that's all he talks about—is is, is yeah. apps. Like, I'm I'm pretty like the whole 2017 like retirement or you know leaving FAN news. Um, is obviously I'm obviously still in denial about it, but at the same time I'm like, oh, this is just going to pave the way for me to log on to Apple TV and click on my Francesa app, you know. So at least that's what I'm I'm holding out hope he for. He totally gets a little taste of some sort of new technology, goes on the air and preaches it as if it were just invented five minutes before the show started, and he wants everyone to know yeah. about it. I think like a few months ago, saying, saying you know what, podcasts are going to be big. Uh, a lot of people are going to be doing podcasts. It's like, Mike, you're breaking news here. Wow, you're like a newspaper. This is great. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not unlike when he comes back from a Taylor Swift show with his daughter and is like, this Taylor Swift, uh, she's she's something. She, you know, she, she's, she's a good entertainer. I'll, I'll tell you she's that. She's got a chance to be very popular. 
Um, <laughs> you mentioned 2017. Uh, Mike said earlier this week, 2017, uh, in a podcast with Katie Nolan that uh, will be released on Thursday. Maybe there'll be more insight to that. Mike made it seem as if that was really the only statement, that little teaser for it. Um, but 2017, that's that's it at the fan. Do you think? Do you yeah. think with this? And this is a million dollar question. Do you think with the uh, you know the, the reunion with Mad Dog? Do you think this is the rebeginning of a beautiful relationship or just sort of a one night thing? Um, that's a good question. I mean, first of all, I loved how he was like, I, I don't know why this is such yeah, a big he's deal. He's so ridiculous. Like, I, I, I said it. I, I said it like one little throw off sentence at the end of this podcast, and oh, suddenly like people are reporting it. I don't know. I'm like, yeah. You're like a media mastermind. Of course, you know what it means to say that. Um, but anyway, I I don't know. I mean, he always his party line on that is always that like, you know, to put it bluntly, basically like no one can afford both of them. Um, but, so, so yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's you know I, I'm sure both of them are happy in their niche of you know of what they've got going. But at the same time, maybe. You know, I did no- notice that he's going to be doing like a whole show with um, with Bill Simmons at some point. I think was announced, and um, you know, maybe it's going to pave the way for there to be more of these kind of special special appearance type things, where maybe he'll have an app and it'll be more of like a you know a daily conversation with someone, or um, which would be hilarious and amazing because <laughs> um, we we love when he has people in the studio. Like, just imagine that all the time. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it would be, it would be awesome to get him back together with dog. Um, but I could also see this being just kind of some, you know, for old time's sake slash for the upcoming documentary film uh, on the two of them. You, you, you mentioned in the beginning of what you just said there, you know, Mike, Mike, Mike says, you know, I'm leaving WFA in 2017 and is shocked that people have an opinion or want to talk about it. It's sort of the same thing when he's had, uh, when he has some sort of, you know, sparring with some other media person or some athlete and someone will call and say, Hey, did you hear what uh, someone said? Did you hear what Keith Oldman said? And then he'll say, uh, no, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. And then uh, the caller <laughs> yeah. goes into what Oldman said. And then immediately Mike knows exactly what's going on. No, see, that's not what he said. Oldman did not say that. He didn't know two seconds ago, but, um, <laughs> Oh, I know. And also the, like his classic thing, which I don't know if he did today, he might have, but when it's like, well, I wasn't going to go into this, all right? But oh, yeah, obviously. Everyone's asking about it. It's in the it. papers. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I <laughs> yeah. wasn't going to get into it, but exactly. Uh, so We're not going to take calls on this, but... And then oh, that's that's a classic steroid ploy where he says, we're not going to do steroids all, all day. So from 1.30 to 6.30, <laughs> steroids nonstop. That, that, that is all about Mike Francesa. They're promising that we're not going to talk about something and continuing to talk about it for the entire week. Um, yep. So I want to say Katie Baker. Grant, Grantland, unfortunately, is no more. When and where will we see you in your work again? That's a good question. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm currently, um, I'm not going to break any news oh, like Mike, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I'm, I'm still on maternity leave through like the end of February. So, um, so I'm kind of deciding and seeing what, what makes sense to do in this brave new world where there's a tiny human that I can't just up and leave at a moment's notice or else I would definitely be on a flight to New York for this weekend. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, um, I've 
Grantland was such an amazing opportunity that it's hard because nothing really adds up and comes close to it. But um, excited for to see what's next and see what the next you know phase brings. It's, it's Grantland is sad, you know. I still have it on the presets on my computer, so and I'll still go there <laughs> yeah. and forget and be like, oh right, yeah, there's nothing. I know it's like your it's like Ouija yeah. board, like your fingers just like yeah, navigate it's, it's the browser. Yeah. dot com. Um, You're like, <laughs> it says here's the archives. I say, oh yeah, the archives. Um, so yeah. I want to thank Katie Baker for coming on the Red Ticket Blues podcast. But to play us out, I have three questions for. Her. Are you ready? Okay, I think so. <laughs> for Deadspin and Grantland, you wrote about the New York Times wedding sections and the hilarity involved, and you graded them. Is there one ridiculous proposal you saw on there that sticks out among the rest? Um, there was a guy who ha- had a work associate come with him in like the Bahamas or something and go out and like scuba dive and bury a ring in like a little buried treasure box, like in a coral reef. And then he and his fiance like happened to come and snorkel and find it. Um, that's one of my favorites. Cause I'm just imagining like the poor, like analyst, at some law firm or finance thing that like is like so stressed about scuba diving with like an engagement ring in the Bahamas, like, and not losing that, the ring. So that's, that's a lot of effort. A, I'll, I'll give them that. Um, so, uh, number two, favorite hockey player growing up. Uh, probably Mark Messier. Mark Messier. Yeah. And number three, I, no one knows the answer to this question, but I'm going to throw it to you. Who will replace Mike Frances on WFAN in 2017? Oh, my gosh. Um, I don't know. Like, is it going to be Evan? Like, I, I don't know. It, I Beningo don't know. says he's, you know, he's been threatening to retire for the last five to ten years. Um, so, But I, I don't think I'd see him going in there. They'd have to modify, yeah. they'd, they'd have to modify the schedule because I don't know if Evan could do five hours. That's the thing, yeah. Like, I love Evan, and he, but yeah, I mean, it's not like they have like a succession, mm. an obvious like succession plan in place. So maybe, yeah, maybe they'll make the midday show longer and then have Evan in there or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, no, no, you know, how do you follow the king? It's, you're <laughs> it's gonna be like Joffrey. You're now. you're the end of uh, your article for Grantland on Francis Akon. It, it it mentions something along the lines of you know Mike uh, maybe I'll have to remember this when I want to run for uh, mayor one day and and you ended it so perfectly <laughs> and you just brought that up there um, why would he want to run for mayor when he's already king of New York that's just so perfect <laughs> it is um, exactly. Katie I really want to appreciate you I, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, you can follow Katie on Twitter at Katie Bakes Katie. It has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me and um, enjoy this weekend. I'm so sad. I can't explain how sad I am. Um, so have fun. So that was Katie Baker, and she is a true Francesa fan. I think you can tell. She she gets all the little jokes, the nuances about the man himself. So uh, there's no fake in the funk there. Uh, I really want to uh, thank Katie for coming on. That that was great. That, that was a lot of fun. It really was. Um so remember, you can always listen to the show on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and YouTube, and follow me on Twitter at BrianBuck13 and at RedTicketBlues. Uh, like the show on Facebook. Go and leave a review. Give me ratings. Give me reviews. Give it to me all. And uh, with all that being said, 
I'll see you Saturday. I'm out of here. And this is Russo? Yeah! Okay. You know, if you had asked me, I would have bought the real thing. Yeah.